What do you know, folks? It's episode 108 of the Uticast. We are back, and today we celebrate the return of Assemblyman Anthony Brindisi as he becomes a member of the Two Timers Club. Uh, plus, we're talking about our abridged mission to Mars. Uh, we're talking about bikes in Utica. We're talking about Kid Rock. Ugh, we're talking about history lessons. Uh, we're talking about glass cases of emotions. And we're talking about much, much more. Uh, we're happy to have you, folks. 108, it's going to be a good one. We're surprised. Another week. We're going to end. It's been warnings for days and days, and yet we get nothing. I know. This morning it said thunderstorms, and then it was sunny until like 3, 2 o'clock. Heard like a little bit of thunder early. Let me see it. Show me the full power of nature, please. (laughs) I have to say, I love a thunderstorm, so every time I get a thunderstorm warning on my phone, I'm always like, ooh, yes. Um, but it's a disappointment when it doesn't come. Though. I know, we get all prepared and nothing happens. Uh, welcome back, folks. 108 is our episode count this week. Uh, I'm Sam Pamelaro, Heather Wazlewski, Kevin Sullivan. Try, again, trying to remember to introduce us by names every time because people may not know who we are. Do you ever get stopped anywhere in public for being on the show? Uh, I have. Mm-hmm. I have. I get stopped in public for a lot of things. You're, yeah, you're pretty... Um, uh, but yeah, I have for the show. Yeah, I've I've been stopped. I have not yet. You probably get stopped <laughs> I, for other things though. Yeah, for my store. Yeah, yeah. For the topping tree. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think no one ever stops me for no one wants to talk to me. No. <laughs> you're not out there. You don't go anywhere. Yeah, you're home. <laughs> I'm usually at work, basically, is yeah. my if I'm at work and here, then that's about it. I'm like one of those millennials. That's like there was a report last week we talked about that, about uh how millennials are already deciding that they just want to stay home and not go out to bars and spend money anymore. That's just me. I'm just leaning into being a millennial. I didn't Oh. And we decided it's because all the millennials have no money and yes. tons of loans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, welcome back, folks. Episode 108. Uh, joining us this week, 119th District Assemblyman Anthony Brindisi returns. I've been teasing it for a few weeks. Uh, but yeah, we had a nice conversation. Kevin, I know you were a little disappointed to not be, you weren't really here for the interview. I know no. you wanted to talk to him a little bit. No, I wasn't, but I'm sure we'll see him around. He's not, he's certainly not going anywhere anytime soon. That's very true. I hope not, at least. No. Uh, but yeah, he was here. We went about 35 minutes. Uh, I have to say, full disclosure, I had a huge, giant list of uh, things I wanted to talk to him about. And he was in between various uh, publicity events, whatever, like meetings and events that he was going to that day. Uh, so I didn't really get everything out with him that we wanted to get into. Uh, so maybe not in the too distant future, I'll have him come back again. Because we really didn't get as much time as I would have liked. I could have talked for another hour. What were you hour. trying to get yeah. to that you couldn't get to? I don't have the notes here in front of me. It's been a couple of days, and this is recorded a few days ago. Um, we really couldn't get as much into like healthcare as I wanted to. We briefly touched on it, but I wanted to. I wanted to get a little bit farther than that. He was, you know. I'll say this: it's funny because you know I know him personally now, uh, and now that he says, "Oh, I'm going to run for Congress," right? 
all of a sudden his name starts getting brought up on like national like mm-hmm. levels, and it's very strange to have a guy who's going to be a very high profile um, race in 2018. This yes. is the 22nd district in New York is going to be very highly contested, and expect to see a lot of national coverage for this. Yeah, <laughs> fascinating. And you know, and I was, and I, and I sort of asked him, and he came in, and I said, you know, I don't have anything too salacious. You know, I do want to talk a little bit of like politics. He's like, if you want to talk politics the whole time, I'm game. Like right <laughs> off the bat, he <laughs> nice. was like, I'm ready to talk politics. That's great. I was like, oh. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, so we, we sort of skipped the formalities of uh, this week of normally doing, like, how you been, blah, 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 and we sort of dug right into stuff. Nice. So it's a pretty good interview. Uh, a couple of things. What do we want to talk? Oh, this weekend, Saturday, July 22nd, uh, Franklin Square film series uh, number three for this year. It is the 1996 classic alien movie, Independence Day. I used to love Independence Day when I was a kid. I counted that as my favorite movie for like probably a year and a half when I was in like sixth grade when that stuff's important. Yep. <laughs> uh, my sister Kelly's boyfriend at the time, uh, she's married to a different guy, so, you know, it's a different boyfriend. But at the time, her boyfriend scored points with her by taking me to see Independence Day in the theater. Nice. So that's what I remember about Independence Day. Uh, you want some facts about Independence Day? You guys, I got a couple facts. Uh, hit me yeah Heather Uh, seems specifically excited so (laughs) these are for her really Uh, if you include inflation and all that uh, Heather do you have a pen uh, oh I I don't I'll jot some of the stuff down it's this Saturday (laughs) Saturday 8pm July 22nd uh, at Franklin Square thanks to uh, Made in Utica and Nomad Cinema and of course our good friends at Bite Bakery and everyone else who's involved very excited Uh, Independence Day is the 55 is number 55 on the highest grossing films of all time even today is that one of those facts? yes 55 that's a pretty good fact 55 Uh, and do you know this movie actually won two Academy Awards? Probably for like special effects. Yeah, I was gonna say because I never seen. I remember watching it, never seeing anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, visual effects and sound mixing. It won mm-hmm. two Academy Awards for. Uh, it also features maybe the best six male actor combination I've ever seen in any movie. Uh, Will Smith, Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, Judd Hirsch, Randy Quaid, and Robert Loggia. <laughs> six of my all-time favorites. I did man. forget about Robert Loggia. Yeah, Robert Loggia is that gruff general. Oh, like, yeah. The aliens. We gotta stop them. Uh, we filmed the trailer for this. Uh, I'm going to aggressively say that by the time you folks hear this episode, it should be up on Facebook and all that media, either today or tomorrow. Uh, we had a lot of fun. I got to recite the Bill Pullman speech as the president, that infamous speech, which has been, uh, which I looked up today, was ranked by Empire Magazine as the cheesiest movie speech of all time. <laughs> Empire <laughs> Magazine, a lot of nerve. A lot of nerve. Uh, yeah, so come on out to the film series. Uh, again, Saturday, July 22nd, 8 p.m. Uh, it's supposed to be beautiful, according to the forecast. Will the brewer be back with their beers? Uh, by bakery, all their delicious snacks. Nomad guys, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got a concert on Friday. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's right. Yeah. We've got uh, Get the Lead Out. Is They're called the American Led Zeppelin. So these guys are the premier like nationally touring um, Led Zeppelin tribute band. Yes, they're awesome. And they have a contract with Led Zeppelin that says they have to play everything exactly the way that it sounds on record. So they're amazing. Oh, that's awesome. And they just make a ton of money recreating the songs. And if you're any kind of a Led Zeppelin fan at all, it's totally worth going down to. Mm. What time is it, Friday? Yeah, it's Friday. It's, I think they start at like 7.30. It's just them, no opener. They'll go out, they'll play for like two, two and a half hours and be done with it. It's going to be cool, though. It should be pretty mellow compared to some of our other concerts yeah. as well, which would be nice. And if you want to know about this event, 
and of course the Franklin Square film series, and of course uh, Dances with Utica coming up on the 28th and 29th of July. That is coming. Yeah, you can go to MadeInUtica.com and check out the events calendar, which our, uh, which our good friend Justin Parkinson has really been pumping a lot of effort into lately. He's really done a great job revamping that calendar and making it really easy and accessible for people to find all the cool stuff that's going on in the city. Is that a plug? Is that his plug? <laughs> I think he owes you money. <laughs> <laughs> what, you think? Yeah, put me on the list. Uh, so, you guys ready to get into some actual stories this week? Yeah, let's do All right, so on July 11th, Mayor Palmieri announced the launch of the Zagster bike sharing program in the city of Utica. Have you guys seen any of these? I little... saw the bikes. I saw them the other day. Mm-hmm. They got them out in front of the Radisson. Yeah, there's 25 the bikes. Yep. Parkway nice. That's two locations, downtown Utica in front of the Radisson at the Parkway, uh, Buckley Pool, Addison Miller Pool, and near Aquavino. I think it's only right if we get out here and test some of these bikes. I want to. Well, now, how does it work exactly? Oh, so it's a $20, you have to sign up for a membership on their app. There's an app program. Mm-hmm. It's like okay. an, it's like ride sharing almost. It's like $20 for a membership or whatever it is, like annual membership. Yeah. It's very affordable. Uh, or if you don't want to get a membership, you can pay like $2 an hour to use the bikes, whatever it is, if you just want to do it like in a single purchase thing. What do they do if you don't bring the bike back? They're tracked by the app. I'm sure there's something you do for it. This is very similar to something that launched in New York City, in Brooklyn particularly, when I was living in New York, like the city bike and bike sharing. It was very popular. And they make sure they're bikes that you don't necessarily want to steal. Yeah, I wouldn't want that forever. No, they're not. The idea is very cool. Um, I mean, this is interesting. Much like Uber, this is sort of like... um, there's a whole sequence of South Park episodes about like gentrification and all these things coming into the cities and bike sharing and ride sharing are two of them that like <laughs> I feel like a lot of other cities have and we're like yes we have stuff now yeah, right um, but the bike sharing thing was really popular in New York City I do see it being sort of 25 bikes doesn't seem like very much is my only sort of but when's the last time you went out and saw 25 separate cyclists on the roads that weren't like little kids that's a good point I'm just curious to know um, where they're going to go with it and how they're going to like with yeah. where, where they plan to go with these bikes when they rent. What do you mean? Like what they plan to do with them. You know, once you rent a bike there. but Well, it's a tourist. tourist. It's, a, it's a yeah. tourism thing. And I've seen a lot of people. This got a, kind of a, a little bit more negativity on, on like a lot of the forums than I thought it would. Everybody hates everything. No, I don't, I don't hate the idea. But when you're in New York City, you can go to a ton of places on a bike. And I think the idea is cool here. I'm just wondering, like, all the if you're a tourist, where are you going to go to the zoo from the Parkway? I mean, I'm just trying to. You might. So no. say you're. I mean, I'm for it. Okay, I'm not. so say you're say you're staying at the Radisson, right? So you're right there on Genesee Street. You can take a bike that part, up towards I the see Stanley and Encora down to Utica Roasting, down to Taylor and the Cook. You can take it over to Bite. I feel like you can get around. Maybe down there. I'm just kidding. yeah. Got it. <laughs> I like the bike sharing thing. I have seen like a lot of negativity. I'm just hoping that 25 bikes makes this sound like it's a soft rollout of something more than anything else. So my thought would be like, this is cool. I hope they do it in more locations around the city. Yes, yeah, so uh, that would be like, cool. Like that would be really cool. But I think that with 25 bikes, and I read that number, I was like, oh, well, they obviously aren't going to put it everywhere yet, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is just like a general idea. I do like it, though. I like the bike sharing idea. idea. Yeah, and, you might as well. And to be honest, I think they look nice out there. It's yeah. a nice look to have the bikes out there with like the big city. Utica. Wait till they get vandalized. That's going to happen for sure. <laughs> All the city bikes in New York got vandalized. <laughs> we just change the word and call it decorate. Wait until the bikes get decorated. <laughs> all right. See, it's all about just got to frame the narrative. Yeah. Branding and marketing. That's all it is. Uh, here's, some, uh, here's some sad news uh, on the national scale or on a worldwide scale, a global scale, if you will, for us. Uh, universal scale. Universal Intergalactic scale. scale. Uh, earlier this week, NASA finally admitted it does not have the funding to land humans uh, on Mars. 
For the last five years or so, NASA's sold the public on a Journey to Mars campaign, a grand voyage which agencies, uh, in which the agency would land humans on the red planet during uh, the 2030s. Uh, why do you think they've decided they can't do this? For what reason? Because their budget has been yeah, eviscerated, and I bet they will find a paragraph in there somewhere to bring up one of the reasons the budget's been <laughs> eviscerated. Uh, there's a couple of really like passive-aggressive lines in here from NASA that are like, "Well, the hands of getting to Mars are now in the private sector of space travel, right? Like these like non-governmental like boutique space travel companies like Elon Musk and all that." Uh, one of the things I talked about specifically is they don't have the technology yet to be able to land on Mars. Yeah. Um, but they have sort of shrug emojied and smiled and said, maybe we can go to the moon instead. And we can I just... say, let's go back to the moon. If, I... listen, if we can't make it to Mars, we should send I a whole bunch of I would just be happy if folks. I could go to anything that's outer space. We've sort of looked past it. We gave, didn't give the moon enough credit. Like, we got to the moon and then no, we, we should be all over the moon. Like, like, nah, let's move on. We should be all over the moon. <laughs> yeah, the moon should already be, like, at least if nothing else, like a dope paradise that we can go to on vacation. <laughs> I don't know if the moon's infrastructure <laughs> supports Dope Paradise. Unless you believe that it was built by aliens and it's parked out there because it's hollow. <laughs> so I've spoken to some people who believe that, by the way. Fascinating folks. They think that it's... Uh, oh, there's a big conspiracy theory that the moon is hollow. Oh, gosh. Oh. Oh, gee. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's a satellite that was parked <laughs> there and it sits and exists. Oh, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. I like the idea that it is hollow, but during the new moon cycle, it's full of cheese. Delicious oh. blue cheese. I guess. I think that you're confusing <laughs> a craft commercial from when we were kids. <laughs> <'Cause> I... <laughs> uh, okay, so... Let's... That's too bad, though. Hmm. I'm sad. That's too bad. Do you guys want to skip... I have a couple things that are slightly politically based to talk about. Let's Do you guys skip them. Wanna... Do you want to talk about Russia at all? Like, we could talk about, like, the uh, Donald Trump Jr. Russia stuff, but there's so much stuff going on. Here's the thing. I feel like if it's, we're just going to say, hey, Russia, LOL, and then move on, there's no point. Because there right. is too much to unpack. So, I mean, unless we want to have a Russian debate, a whole Russian damn thing, sure. there's a lot there. I'm done with Russia. <laughs> Are you done with it? Like I, Nobody should ever be done, but we can't necessarily do it on the show. No. People should still... I've. I've heard from a lot of people recently, people are getting burned out and people are like, I can't pay attention anymore, too much is too crazy. And that's a specifically taught and recognized um, disinformation tactic used in propaganda to overwhelm people with all this crazy news so people check out and stop paying attention. Like That's sure. very, very much by design and that's giving something up if you choose to just like tune out. And I get it because it's a lot and it's hard. But people need to be paying attention because mm -hmm. this is a very interesting time to be alive in our country mm -hmm. and on our planet. So don't check out just yet. But we can check out as a show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll give you I'll give you one piece of Trump thing for today, and we'll call it that, okay? Uh, as of today, he is 151 days AWOL without a press conference. So if you want to keep the running tally going about that, 151-ish days now since since he's had a press conference. Could you imagine what would happen if they got him out? The two times he had a press conference, he got... When he was just out there by himself, he got tore up real bad. It'd be real ugly. Like, he would have himself, he would incriminate the hell out of himself. On the other side of that coin, uh, Vice President Mike Pence has been uh, hosted a fundraiser with his newly political, uh, newly formed political action campaign, uh, campaign or committee. Yeah. $5,000 ahead with these GOP leaders. Makes you think he's uh, gearing up for something, huh? Yeah, he's huh? waiting to be president. Huh? <laughs> uh, joke's on him because he's also complicit, and if one goes down, he's going too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's leave it at that. Let's move on to some more serious political talk. Uh, Kid Rock is officially running for Senate uh, in 2018. That's right, Robert James Ritchie, Ball with the Ball, Kid Rock. 
his name is Kid Rock. He's running for Senate, guys. What are your thoughts? No, there is no thought. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Just absolutely ridiculous. This idea got floated around, like, last week, and people sort of thought that it was a marketing campaign for, like, a new, like, album he had coming out. I didn't think it was real. No, apparently it's real. So. <laughs> um, I want to laugh at this, but we also laughed at Trump when he said he was going to run, right? Is this the same thing? Well, that's kind of the thing. Fringe celebrities for years and years have been declaring, oh, I'm going to run for this thing or that thing. Every once in a while, somebody will get in there, but like but now this, this really happens. now in the, well now in this post-Trump world, you're like, well, Jesus, anybody can win it's anything. It's kind of scary guess. to think about. That. Yeah, we we've, we've got to stop. I mean, by we, I mean specifically the media too has to stop treating people like this as serious contenders because that's what gives us legitimacy. Mm. People swallow up and they see like stop giving them the attention. Mm. We stop giving them the attention, they won't grow into these big giant things. We'll treat it like we're used to in the '90s and 2000s. Celebrities run them where you're oh. like, you're out of your mind, no yeah. way. Like we're not even gonna entertain the notion. Um, you would think that, uh, Kid Rock, who, uh, famously wrote a lot of wrestling theme songs in the mid-2000s, if you ever listen to, like, The Undertaker's theme song when he was a biker, Kid Rock, so there you go, uh, you'd think this would make him my, I'm done with this guy for the week, but he's not! Are you guys ready? <laughs> for my person that I'm the most done with this week? Uh, well, to be fair, I guess I'm setting a bad precedent. I've been done with this person every week, but now I'm officially making him on my list. Did you guys read this report last week about, uh, uh, sentient ventriloquist dummy slash attorney general Jeff Sessions, uh, and he... Keebler elf. <laughs> <laughs> the racist uh, Keebler elf. As he... Messed around uh, <laughs> did a dang perjury. Uh, he, deliver, he delivered his speech at the Alliance Defending Freedom, we'll get to them in a second, at their Summit on Religious Liberty, uh, event mm -hmm. last week. Uh, he did this without, uh, this event was closed to the press. Uh, he did this without release. <laughs> For those of you guys who are not particularly familiar with the, uh, the ADF, uh, they are supporting the baker who wouldn't make the cake for the gay couple. Uh, they're one of the largest, uh, religious right organizations in the world, uh, and they are very, uh, anti-LBGT rights. So, session shows up. Uh, gives a private meeting for them, a uh, private speech, and refuses to talk about it. And the Department of Justice sort of just says, yeah, okay. So, mm, I've talked a lot about my dislike of Jeff Sessions. Maybe my least favorite person in Washington by, like, a significant margin. And uh, this one's kind of ugly. I don't like this one. This one makes me concerned. I don't know why this one makes me more concerned. Maybe it's because I don't like him. And he's most. so high up in office. So he has... <laughs> he's, the mo he's the one who seems the most, like, transparently, like, just not giving a fuck. There's my one swear word. He's been a villain for a long time. Yeah, he's, like... He's... He was fired for being a racist. I already he was. He was fired when he... <sighs> yeah, he was fired by Clinton for being a racist. Mm. Yeah, Jeff Sessions, he's another one. He's the devil. Uh, did you see, he wants to bring back the D.A.R.E. program. Yes, the... He wants to go back to the war on drugs. <laughs> the remarkably successful D.A.R.E. program, which since the 80s has been proven to not be successful in almost every metric it's been tested. But uh, he thought they did a great job when he it's talked about it. crazy when you think about how crazy the D.A.R.E. program was when you were in school. Oh, the D.A.R.E. program, I yeah. I liked it when I was in school. I liked my t-shirt. I liked the bear that they had, the D.A.R.E. bear. I thought it was cool because it was different. It was something different. It broke up the day. Yeah. Yeah. But man, I was led to believe that around every corner, people would be offering me all sorts of drugs all the time for free. <laughs> That's not the way that works. Hey, kid, come over here. Uh, the Alliance for Defending Freedom, by the way, is also uh, known for supporting the criminalization of homosexual sex. Uh, involved in the attempt to marginalize trans students in public schools. So, just great so, guys. So, if you want to know which side uh, our attorney general is on when he's not making delicious, delicious cookie treats, um, 
he's he's supporting all the bad people. So there you go, Jeff Sessions. Uh, I'm done with this guy. Oh, Gugats. <laughs> if you guys, if you, any of you listeners have any people that you're done with, that you'd like me to yell at in a mildly racist <laughs> Italian stereotype of my people, uh, send it to us on Twitter at Uticast or on Instagram or Facebook or all those other places. If any of you listeners are done with Sam, if that's the guy <laughs> you're, you're done, done with, with this guy. get at me on Twitter. <laughs> All right, uh, that's enough of that. Let's get into uh, a politician who I actually really did enjoy speaking to this week. Uh, joining us for the second time, uh, he did get uh, he did get a lot of uh, heckling from former uh, two time guests Jordan Carp and Joe Marino because it took him this long to be a two time member. But we had a really really I'll, I'll say this: I had a great time talking to Assemblyman Brindisi. I always enjoy talking to him. I'm sure that by talking to him, people are already going to say that we're shills for him, right? Are we shills now because we had him on the show already? Uh, let's <laughs> let's wait to see if we can get some of that George Soros money before we start <laughs> shilling for anybody. Uh, like I said before, like Kevin, you said last week, like I say at the end of this interview, Claudia, if you want to come on and talk, you Claudia, debate anytime. me anytime on the right show. Here. You come anytime, any place. We can debate. It will be wonderful. You are a fraud. I will expose you. Please call me. Uh, but for now, uh, again, we, we tried to get she's his... She's not coming. No, she's not coming. She's, she's never coming. coming. Uh, no, but we've tried... She can't face her constituents. She's scared. It's okay, Claudia. Tony coming. <laughs> Assemblyman Brindisi and I uh, tried to get as much as we could get in in 35 minutes. I do want to thank everybody who sent in questions and things for, uh, for the Assemblyman. I really appreciated it. Uh, so let's get right into it. Uh, my interview with Assemblyman Anthony Brindisi. We'll be back in just a moment. say, I just want to get this out of the way, I've been working on this interview for a few weeks, okay. so if you have any state or local secrets that you're going to tweet, or your email, emails you're going to be tweeting out, yeah. you know, do it now, I suppose, because okay. I've been working on this for a while, and sure. then I don't want you to just tweet it, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm sorry. I wish <laughs> I had something, this, this <laughs> big announcement I could bring out, but unfortunately, no. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have you back in the studio, uh, 119th District Assemblyman Anthony Brindisi. It's a real, real honor and pleasure. Um, I have a lot of things we want to talk about, and I, I know you have a lot of obligations today, and I really appreciate you giving me some time here. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I want to start with some some fun stuff, first off. Sure. Number one, uh, how was your Boilermaker? It was good. I, did, I, I got the bib. I did a charity bib for the Mid-Utica Community Center. Oh, wonderful. And uh, I wasn't the best at training this year, but oh, yeah. I decided at the last minute I was going through it. <laughs> yes. I got the bib. I'm doing it. So uh, I did it. It was about 96 or 97 minutes, mm. which is a way off of my usual yeah. time. But oh, yeah. It's done. I'll, I'll I had fun. Know. My time was much worse than that. <laughs> I don't feel bad. My training was really, really poor this year. Um, 
And uh, for those of you folks who know, again, uh, this is your second time on the show. Yes. Which does make you an official member of the Two Timers Club. I'm very excited. Thank you for joining. Uh, I'm very excited. I do have your trophy here, so I now uh, you can let Jordan and Joe Marino know that you're part of the club as well. Um, I want you to know. I had to go buy that today because I ran out of them last last time, and I said, "Oh God, I got to get one for this." <laughs> I, don't want I appreciate it. that. I can't. I need bragging rights with Marino, so <laughs> this is beautiful. Uh, so there was something else you've been on. I, I did check out your Facebook a little bit today before you came over. Yep. Uh, you were pretty active during a lot of this flooding that's been going on. Yeah. And as I was getting ready to do this interview today, I got another warning for tonight with more flash flood warning. I know. Um, it's. Uh, I actually this just left Whitesboro to yeah. meet with a few homeowners over there who were flooded out, and the the devastation is really unbelievable. This Wild. is the third time in since tw- 2011 since uh, yeah that people have been flooded, and it's been there's a lot of problems that have contributed to it, and sure, uh, you know the rain is coming fast and furious now. It's wild. I I I haven't seen anything like this in a long time. No, it seems. I don't want to say. Some climate change conference, but I feel like no. there's some connection, right? There's gotta be. Look, we're getting we're getting 100 year storms every four years mm-hmm. now, so something is happening. But there's multiple problems that at least contribute to the issues that are happening in Whitesboro. Oh yeah, you have a ton of development that's happening in, in, in New Hartford, which is upstream on the Sequoia Creek. Yeah, and you got Consumer Square, you got the Orchard. That pavement that mm-hmm. creates runoff, that water's yeah. got to go somewhere. It goes uh, downstream into mm-hmm. the Whitesboro Village area. You know, you got uh, train, like CSX has a bridge down there that's not adequate for flood control. A lot of the stuff gets backed up in that bridge there. You know, there's, there's a lot of fixes that have to be that have to happen. Mm-hmm. Residents, rightfully so, are upset. We're trying to get state money in yeah. here to try and help them sure. recoup some of the costs that they have. But long term, we got to start dealing with the realities of the, of the climate that we're living in. Yeah. That rain is coming fast and furious, yeah. and it's gonna this is gonna happen more, much more often. Uh, so I want to I want to go back for a moment. Um, it has been 36 episodes since you were last on the show. That oh my was episode 72. All right. And I remember this very specifically because that day was November 7th, 2016, which okay. was the day before uh, <laughs> the election. That's right. Um, now, last time we spoke it was EV election, and you know I'm not going to get into what we talked about certainly, but after the interview, you and I had a very nice candid conversation afterwards about what we thought was going to happen and what we expected to happen. Right. What a difference a day made. Yeah. Uh, the next day, things got quite a bit wild. Do you yeah. feel like, think, do you feel, uh, for me, that's a big moment that I look back on is having that conversation with you and then the next day being like, oh my God, I, right. I, maybe maybe more people felt that way. Like, I, I don't know. It was an odd moment. Do you feel like things have changed a lot since that day? I, I know things have changed a lot since that day. Yeah. I, you know, from a political perspective, since that day, I have seen a tremendous change in people's attitudes yes. across the country, mm-hmm. uh, on both sides of the aisle, on you know the more progressive Democratic side. I'm seeing all kinds of people who are just unhappy about how the election turned out, becoming more involved in the political process and wanting to make change. Sure. Same thing on on the on the conservative conservative Republican side. I see a lot of people who are getting more engaged. Uh, I think it's good people are getting engaged. The one thing that worries me is that the level of discourse is getting yes. a little out of control in the mm-hmm. country, whether it's through social media or stuff you're seeing on TV or reading uh, in blogs. People are really fired up and sometimes mm-hmm. are making things very personal, yeah. which really, you know, in some in some cases turning to violence, as we saw with the, with the baseball game down yeah. in, in Washington. Terrible. That kind of stuff really has no place in politics. Mm-hmm. It's okay to disagree with each other, but we have to try and tone down the rhetoric to make things a little more... Uh, you know, yeah. easy to talk about. It, it does seem to me, and again, I, I, I talk about, I'm 31 years old, so my voting, I've only been voting for however so many elections right. and into politics for however many years, but right. um, 
it does seem something about this current political atmosphere and the current way that people are interacting, it does seem like this is the buildup of a longer, right. a longer, this was coming a long time. Sure. And that this Trump administration particularly just open the floodgates for something that may have already been sort of building up, and that sort of scares me, too. Yeah, it, I think this has been building for a long time. Yeah. You know, you, even during back, you can go back to the Clinton administration. Yeah. I mean, you started to see some of the seeds of this being yeah, planted. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's on both sides, and you see, you know, whether it's Fox News or whoever, people are being more ginned up by the yes. media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I tell people all the time, if you're getting your, your, your source of news from one source exactly. and only one source... There's a problem mm-hmm. because you're only hearing what you want to hear. You're being told what you already believe. Try to expand your horizons a little bit and get out there and look at different sources. Go to conservative papers. Go to liberal papers and look at different people's perspectives. I think that's the one thing that's missing in politics today and in society is we're not listening to each other. We're just talking at each other. And what scares me is I've read some recent reports about this, that there are a lot of people on both sides who – are aware of lies being told, right? And just don't care, right? Right. They'll, even if even if Donald Trump or I'm going to use him for example, it could be any politician. Right. Even if he is lying, the constituents know it and say, "Yeah, okay, right." It's, and that that sort of aggressive ambivalence. I don't know if that's even a, a yeah. concept, but that scares me almost more than anything else. Right. Really, is just this ability to be like, I don't care about this corruption or this clearly wrong behavior because. My side is winning. It's, right. It does feel very party over nation sometimes. Whatever side of the political spectrum you fall on, mm. people should be concerned yeah. that a foreign government yeah. that is exactly. hostile to this country yeah. was in was exactly. interfering with our elections. Mm. This is something that we should yeah. all be concerned about, mm. no matter who was elected president. Exactly. And something has to be done about it. We, you know, you cannot just dance around the issue. Mm. Russia obviously interfered with the election, yeah. and. It's a fact, and we have to deal with it, and mm. we're not dealing with it. We're looking at other things, mm. but it's something that's got to be addressed. And from, from you know, I've been progressive, you know, pretty liberal over my years of voting, so for me, I sort of have this question. I'm like, how many things are going to come out about this before people actually notice? And I think it can just keep coming out, and people are still going to bury their heads in the sand. Sometimes it scares me. Uh, let's get away from that for a second, though, because I sure. want some other things I want to discuss with you. Uh, so it was last month, uh, I don't remember the exact date, but it was last month uh, you announced that you'd be challenging uh, United States Representative Claudia Tinney uh, in 2018 for her seat, uh, 22nd, is it 22nd District? Yep. Yeah, 22nd District in Congress. Um, now, in 2016, uh, after Richard Hanna had retired, you was there talk about you potentially running at that time? There was talk. That's yeah. something I thought about back in 20, mm-hmm. actually it was 2015 at the time after Richard retired. Yeah. Uh, I gave it some thought and decided at that point that I wasn't going to do it. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was uh, working on a few things in the assembly that I wanted to, to try and finish up. And it just wasn't the right time for me. I think sure. a lot has changed for me mm-hmm. since the November election. Yeah. And I feel that our current representative is not really doing an adequate job representing mm-hmm. us in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a number of issues that I've always tried to work on and try to be as an as an elected official, you know, that I feel is are being ignored right now. Yeah. So yeah, whether it's sure. the healthcare issue, whether it's jobs, whether it's infrastructure, uh, the most important thing for me as an elected official is you got to be out there listening mm-hmm. to the people. Yeah. And right now we have a representative who's not listening to the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only way you can be an effective representative, whether it's in Albany or Washington, is if you're out there listening. You formulate opinions, you formulate uh, uh, feedback, you get feedback from constituents mm-hmm. on different issues that are impacting them, and then you become a better representative down the road to, to be able to represent their interest. And I, I feel that that's lacking right mm-hmm. now, 
and I'm hearing it from all over the district, whether it's uh, up here in the Utica Rome area mm-hmm. or when I'm down in Broome County in Binghamton, uh, people are upset that they, they feel that their current representative is not really reaching out. Now, let me. this is kind of a hard question to, to answer, I suppose, but, uh, you know, so I'll go with it anyway. Uh, yeah. Knowing what you know now, today, if you could have run in 2016, do you think you would have now, knowing what you know already? It's hard to say. I, you know, I think about that all, all the time. I, what, I, what I know today is that I, I certainly put a lot more thought into mm-hmm. running this time, where, you know, the big concern for me back then was uh, my children. I had young sure. children. I still yeah. have young children. Would I be able to do an effective job as a representative and still be a good father? Right. Um, Erica, my wife, and I uh, really thought about it long and hard this time. We, we've talked to other representatives in Congress who have young families, mm-hmm. who have larger districts, and we felt very comfortable that although this is going to be a major challenge, it's something that can be done. Uh, and I think that there's a time where there's a real need in Washington where we have folks who are more <laughs> interested in getting results than like the ice cream man outside. Like the ice cream man outside. Who yeah. wants who wants results? <laughs> uh, um, but there's Washington needs people who yeah, want to get sure. results. I'm someone who has always considered myself an independent. Yeah. I've always you know I, I've spoken out against mm-hmm. the governor of my own party when I thought he was wrong. Uh, I've always been someone mm-hmm. who's been who's, who's prided myself on working across mm-hmm. the aisle, whether it's with Senator Griffo or you know the county executive. And that's really lacking right now in D.C. You got uh, Democrats and Republicans really not working together. Mm-hmm. And the most people, when I talk to people on the streets, the one thing they want to see as a representative, whether they're a Democrat or Republican, is that they work with their colleagues. And that's not happening. See, I find that very fascinating you bring that up because it was very—it was almost immediately after you announced that you would be uh, challenging her that uh, Congresswoman Tinney responded yeah. uh, calling you a quote-unquote slick politician yes. uh, who pretends to be moderate yes. while rubber-stamping the policies of Cuomo, who you yeah. just said you don't always agree with. Well, so. you know, she, she came out swinging. Even before I made the announcement, she yeah. had put out a statement that I was a slick politician. And, and, all, and what I said in response to that was, Look, yeah. name-calling should not be involved in this election. Exactly. Name-calling is not going to help people uh, with their jobs, not going to help people get health care. It's quite immature. Let's keep the name-calling out of it. Let's stick to policy. And I think people who, who know me in this area, and I'm talking to people in other parts of the mm-hmm. district who don't, don't know me, I have had no issue standing up against the governor when I thought he was wrong, when he was uh, making attacks against public education. I've, I stood up and voted against his education bu- budget. Mm-hmm. That didn't win me any points with the governor. Sure. You know, when, he has, when he's been avoiding this area for economic development issues, not coming here doing his state of the state, I held my own state of the state I to show that, him up yeah. and, to, and, and to really draw attention to this area and the economic needs of this region that I think are being ignored by him. Mm-hmm. And uh, even with flooding issues right now, uh, my concern is that he's not showing up right. uh, looking at some of these flooding issues because he's uncomfortable coming here because of other concerns. And you'd think that'd be different because every report I've read uh, when I've been doing my research for this interview mm-hmm. seems to imply that this 22nd congressional district race is going to be a top national priority, not just for Democrats, but for Republicans as well. So right. I could see where this would be something he'd want to be more aware of. Well, you know, I, I, whether you're, you're, you're the governor of the state or, or whatever, people want their elected officials to be there in good times and sure. bad times. Yeah. You know, I, I went to Whitesboro today with, to meet with homeowners. Mm-hmm. I purposely did it not bringing TV cameras and things like that with sure. me because I wanted to sit down with homeowners and really understand that, you know, understand their issues but how and let them know what I'm trying to do to help them. Mm-hmm. So people are upset. They flooded three or four times in the last few years. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're mad at me. They're mad at government in general for, for not doing enough to address some of the flooding issues. Mm-hmm. And we need to do more. 
but that's what you have to do as a leader. You have to go to places in good times and bad times, not just when you want to cut the ribbon. Sure. You've got to go there you know, to help people in, at, when they're at their lowest point, too. Uh, so one of the things we, we talked briefly about this initially about uh, – the communication that uh, Congresswoman Tinney seems to have with her constituents in this area. Uh, there was actually something yesterday which was getting a little bit of buzz on uh, on Twitter, which was her coffee with Claudia right. thing. Um, I have two questions, I guess, based around this. One, you have worked with her on the assembly in the past, so you obviously have met her before. Sure. Did you sort of expect this sort of hardline tactics that she took against you right off the bat, or is it surprising to you? It's it's not surprising. Um, mm-hmm. she, you know, she's she's taken those kind of hardline tactics before. Mm-hmm. Uh, against other uh, elected officials that she's run against. But I hope that this can be an election. You know, we have major differences. Yeah, for sure. She voted for a health care bill, which I think is uh, very yeah. detrimental to oh, yeah. the state in particular mm-hmm. and the country as a whole, taking insurance away from 20 million-plus Americans, uh, forcing uh, folks with pre-existing conditions into mm-hmm. more expensive plans or to lose essential mm-hmm. health benefits that, that insurance companies now have to provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a major problem. Internet privacy, we have a major difference over internet privacy. She voted for a bill that essentially relaxes regulations that were put in place uh, that uh, would allow internet providers to sell your most personal data to the highest bidder. You go on your 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 uh, you go on through your ISP right now, and you type in something. They take that information. Whether you're looking for a pair of clothing or researching a prescription drug, or maybe you're a mother expecting a newborn looking for maternity care, that information is now become. sold by your internet service provider to the highest bidder so they can now advertise to you whatever it is you're looking for. Oh, yeah. So you see these pop-ups ads appearing on something that you look for, like it's, a pair of shoes or something, and there it is. The it's pair really of shoes weird. that you were looking for are right there. People don't want their privacy invaded, and that's not a Democratic or Republican issue. That is an issue that I think transcends party line, and people are upset that internet service providers are selling their data. Now, she, she will argue that, well, Google can do it and Facebook can do it, and we're just leveling the playing field for the Verizons and the other companies that are internet service providers. I would argue you should be making the law tougher so Google can't do that and yeah, Facebook can't we, do that. That's what. That's the question I ask. Why are we trying to make it easier for these large corporations? We they should seem not. To be, yeah. We should not be making it easier <laughs> for them. People don't me. want their information yeah. out there. There's enough sharing yeah. of information already. People are already mm-hmm. fearful that their personal data is out there for, for whoever wants to see it, and they're making it easier. Mm-hmm. And people in this area, you know, the, the argument I've heard is, well, you, you don't, you know, Google does it. Well, okay. People have a choice over search providers. Sure. You don't have to go to Google. Yeah. In this area, you don't have a choice really on internet service providers. So you're pretty correct. much stuck with one internet service yep. provider. Maybe if you live, live in a larger metropolitan area, you have two or three you can choose from. Yep. Here, you're pretty limited on your internet service provider. So mm-hmm. you don't have a choice. And that makes it tough for guys like me who have already cut the cable cord and use the internet primarily as where I do most of my like research, entertaining is all internet-based. Right. This The net neutrality thing that's going on right now is very scary to me. Any of the internet stuff, I feel like... As a society, we got a lot of this stuff dumped on us very quickly, and we still haven't totally caught up to what the Internet can allow us to do and what people can do to us through the Internet. I don't know if we're properly aware of what's out there. We're, there's a lot more that has to be done. Yes. You know, you talk about net neutrality, and you're talking about those rules that are being looked at. You know, those are all things that have to be addressed. The law is not moving fast enough with the, the technology, and that has to be addressed. I have one more thing I want to bring up about uh, Ms. Tinney before we move on from that. Um, we had the, Cla- uh, the coffee with Claudia thing last week. Right. This Thursday, well, not this Thursday by the time people hear this interview, but she's doing a telephone town hall. As of right now, it's six months since she's been elected. There has been no town halls that she has attended 
uh, for her constituents. Right. You have a, does this concern you, the way it concerns me? It, it does concern me because, like I said earlier, I think the most important thing to be a good representative is to mm -hmm. listen to people. Sometimes that you're going to hear things that are uncomfortable for you, uh, but again, you need to explain your positions. You need to do it in an open setting. One thing I've said when I, when I first announced that I was running, every year I will be doing a town hall mm -hmm. in every county in this district. Uh, so that's something that I'm going to do once I'm elected. And that's not the only time people are going to see me either in their districts, sure. in their counties. They're going to see me multiple times, but I will be holding town halls in every county in the district, uh, moving for at least one town hall, maybe probably more, uh, but at least one in every district, in every sure. county when I get elected. Mm. You have to be out there. Mm. You know, the, the, the smaller things, the teletown halls or the small meetings, look, those are important too, but those cannot be the only source of communication. You have to be out there and you have to be listening to people. That's the only way you can be a better representative. Wonderful. Uh, I got a couple things. Uh, we have a little bit of time up before I have to let you go. So I got a couple yep. quick things I want to hit you with uh, that I just came into today. Uh, actually, this one just dropped uh, in, in my news feed right before you showed up. Right. Uh, Marianne Buttonshan uh, has announced that she's going to uh, attempt to run for your state assembly seat yes. uh, when you run. I don't know how familiar you are with Marianne. Or I know Marianne well. Yep. All right, I say I've known her for a very long time. I don't yeah. want to put words in your mouth, but do you have any thoughts about her deciding to run? I think she's a very qualified candidate. Yeah. Um, I've heard a number of names of folks that are thinking about uh, mm -hmm. stepping in and running for the assembly. They all, uh, the ones that I've heard, sound very qualified. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I have said that uh, for me, uh, I'm not going to get involved in a primary yeah. race for, sure. for for you know someone who wants to fill the assembly seat that I, that mm -hmm. I'm I, I'll be vacating. But it is uh, important that we have a good representative representing this area in the assembly, and uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of qualified candidates to step forward. Just so I get an idea of what it's like behind the curtain, does, does someone like Marianne reach out to you to let you know she's doing this before she does? I, I've talked to Marianne. Sure. Uh, there's been a few others that I, I won't announce. I'll let them handle yeah, their, sure, own, of course. their own announcements, <laughs> but there have been others that have reached out to me sure. just to find out more about the job and what it entails mm -hmm. and some of the issues that are happening. I'm, and I, I've said to Marianne and the others that have called me, I'm happy to be there as a resource. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think we need to have an effective representative in the state assembly. I'm going to continue to work in this job 100% until uh, I'm, I'm finished with my term. Um, so I, I'm going to you know, continue to campaign when I can, but I'm also, number one, focusing on the current job, which is representing people in the mm -hmm. state assembly. Uh, we touched on health care briefly. Uh, currently, Republicans are pushing to uh, to push through the Better Care Reconciliation Act. Yeah. Uh, internal conflicts are kind of pushing this back, though, until late August, it seems like. What are your current thoughts about the health care system we have going on right now? Because, uh, as I mentioned, Ms. Tinney, who you said voted for this, uh, it was recently claimed that all the reports about the American Health Care Act are wrong and they're being reported incorrectly. So I don't know about that, but... Well, listen, you, you, they voted for a bill that n most of them didn't have a chance to read. They didn't sure. take into account the congressional, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office score uh, on the bill. Mm -hmm. There were no hearings. There was no bill tax. There was no time for amendments. This thing was rushed through very quickly to really uh, appeal to uh, a campaign promise of theirs to repeal Obamacare. Mm. Uh, is Obamacare perfect? Absolutely not. There's things that have to be done to try and fix Obamacare, and yeah. there's a lot of great ideas from both sides of the aisle on how to do that. There's a lot of moderates in the Senate right now, both on the Republican side and the Democratic side, who are saying, let's sit down together yeah. and fix the problems with health insurance mm. and Obamacare. Let's not scrap the whole thing. Yeah. Let's not kick 23 million people off their health insurance. You know, just some of the cuts that you're looking at in this health care bill are going to impact rural hospitals in this region, uh, uh, children with disabilities. You know, the Medicaid funding uh, goes to fund 
services in school districts for students with disabilities that will be cut. Seniors that live in nursing homes, 70% of them receive Medicaid funding. So this, you know, the president said it best, and I don't agree with him very often. Yeah. This is a mean bill. Demeaning and really, bill. we got to do more to try and make sure people are getting insurance uh, at an affordable price. I think what scares me, you know, and I was a guy who, I was a young man living in New York City when Obamacare became a thing that we were all signing up for when right. the website crashed and right. it was all that big thing. Right. But I remember... You know, there was a time, as a, and I've been voting on the Democratic side for most of my political career, pretty right. much 99% of it, except for that one time I voted for Mike Leamy. I'm like, uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I I remember doing my taxes and not having health insurance the first time sure. and getting that, that, that penalty and being right. really angry. And it wasn't until I understood why healthcare, how healthcare works and what allows healthcare to be cheaper is having a large pool of people in it. Right. And now that I understand that it seems... It just seems odd that your entire idea is, even if we don't replace it, let's just get rid of this system that's already in place that people are starting to understand, and right. that scares me a little bit, Well, too. and there's been projections, you know, if we continue on, you know, premiums should stabilize. Uh, the administration is doing a lot right now to really yeah. sabotage the program by withholding subsidies yeah. and doing other things because of all the uncertainty in the insurance markets right now over whether it's going to be repealed or replaced or whatever. You know, that causes uncertainty in these markets, which increases premiums that lead to higher costs for people. But look, no one said, like I said in the beginning, that Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, whatever you want to call it, is perfect. Sure. But nobody I, that I come across uh, seems to think that the answer to that is just scrapping all together and yeah. kicking 23 million people off their health insurance. Mm. And, by the way, giving a massive, massive tax giveaway yeah. to the wealthiest Americans in the process. This bill, I, you know, I, I, I hesitate to even call it a health care bill. It's really a tax cut bill because those tax cuts are going, you know, that they're taking away from working families uh, to help fund, uh, you know, you know this this program. That that's where the, the money needs to be invested in health insurance, yes. and the wealthiest are getting a big break under this. It scares me that a lot of the people who voted these politicians into power are the people who are going to pay the most heavily under these bills that they voted for. It right. scares me. Right. It's like I wish I don't know that that I think ties into a level of like political awareness that people don't want to right. face sometimes. Right. Uh, let me move on to something else. Sure. Uh, so, uh, your buddy Chuck Schumer was at the Boilermaker, making quite the scene. He was very popular at the Boilermaker. I heard. Uh, there was an article basically uh, going around that he doesn't normally recruit people for yeah. Democratic candidates, but he had sort of made an exception for you. Is this true, or is this sort of something that he's, he's just uh, he, he, He's someone that I certainly met with and talked to before deciding. Sure. Um, you know, Chuck has been... You know, Chuck gets a lot of bad credit sometimes. I think he does. Uh, I like Chuck. I've met him before. He's a great guy. Listen, we have we have uh, employers in this area, federal mm -hmm. employers, whether it's the Air Force Research Laboratory in yeah. Rome, which employs thousand yeah. people, great or or the the Defense Finance and Accounting Service in Rome, which does the accounting work for 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 the federal uh, government in the Army. Those are major employers in our area. Yeah. They're constantly under threat of being moved or closed. He is the guy who is here consistently fighting for those jobs to make sure they stay in this region because, number one, he recognizes that they're major employers. They have multi-million dollar economic impact, not just on Rome, but the entire central New York area. But two, places like the Air Force Research Laboratory are doing cutting-edge work 
keeping us safe here on the homeland. They're, they're developing tools that are used by soldiers overseas. They're, they're helping to bring products to market for cybersecurity threats that are uh, uh, being made against our institutions, whether it's banking or other areas. So th those are areas where Chuck works great on those local issues and trying to save those areas. And he's, you know, he happens to be the minority leader of the state of the uh, of the U.S. Senate. Yeah. It's good to have people like that in high places uh, representing your area because you can get more done. Um, so, uh, as a guy who's worked in the education field for uh, a long time, I had parents who grew up in the education field. Uh, I get people who say to me all the time, like, "Man, I would never want to get into teaching today with the way that like kids are dar and all this technology." Yeah. Do you sometimes feel that way about politics? Like, it seems like a tough time to get into politics now. <laughs> You know, I, I feel like that sometimes, you know, part of the, the calculation for me wanting to throw my hat in the ring yeah. this time was you don't see a lot of good people who mm -hmm. want to step up and run for these offices. Yeah. Uh, you're under consistent scrutiny. Uh, you're always, you know, what, no matter what you do, people are out there going to be critical of you. Sure. There's the 24-hour news. There's a the social media aspect. Um, so I, you can understand why people don't want to go into this line of work. Sure. I think the unfortunate part is um, if, if, if people don't step up and do this, then we end up with representatives that really should not be there and don't have our best interests in mind. So I, I, I feel that you know I could sit back and complain uh, about what's happening in this country, or I could actually do something about it and throw my hat in the ring and try and help make difference uh, in, a, in Washington where you know there hasn't been a lot of uh, difference made in the last few years. Uh, this is a direct message that was sent to me once I announced that you were coming on the show. Yes. It kind of ties into one of my questions, so I'm going to read this for you right now. This sure. is from uh, Twitter listener Fig Bashful, who I know is Jen, my friend Jen. <laughs> uh, she says, um, can, uh, can you ask the Assemblyman how he plans to navigate the current vicious political atmosphere to find common ground with Republicans on issues like healthcare, education, and the local economy? Uh, this sort of tied into a question that I had, which was, are you sort of prepared for the level of rancor that you're almost assuredly going to get somewhere along the way? Or on the flip side, are you kind of ready for it? I'm ready I'm ready for it. Uh, I know that campaigns, especially congressional campaigns, are mm -hmm. going to be very tough. I have a thick skin. I'm a big boy, and I'm ready for the attacks that, that are going to come at me. They've already started coming. <laughs> my When I ran my assembly campaign, and uh, ever since then, I've always kept a positive attitude, and I tried to run positive campaigns. Mm -hmm. I have run positive campaigns. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do this time. Working across the aisle, it just seems so natural to me to want to work with Republican colleagues. Sure. I do it with Griffo, Pacenti, and you know, I'm going to do that in Washington. I will reach out. I will listen. I will visit other districts because I think it's important to understand the challenges that other members are facing. I do that in the Assembly now, and I think it helps foster a better understanding uh, between members. So that's something that not enough of is happening in this country, and it's something that I want to try and bring more of to Washington. Uh, I have another question for you, if you're ready for it. This is actually from, uh, this is a Twitter question from uh, Marcy Nano Center. Uh, they would like to know, uh, will the Marcy Nano Center still be a priority for you once you get to the federal level? Absolutely. Uh, the Marcy Nano Center, we've had some bumps along the road. We had mm -hmm. a great company called AMS that decided yeah. to back out because mm -hmm. of some of the problems happening statewide with SUNY Poly projects, nothing related here locally, but again, because of some of the stuff on the state level, they were not mm -hmm. going to move forward with the project. The money that we secured, Senator Griffo and I and the county executive secured for that site is still there uh, to help uh, be used to attract another semiconductor company. There's a number of great leads that uh, the folks at Mohawk Valley Edge are pursuing right now to fill that spot. Okay. 
I think I could be even more helpful on the federal level, trying to bring f more federal resources to the area to help uh, attract a company. Uh, you know, one of the biggest issues with the Marcy Nano Center was the wetlands permit. Richard yeah. Hanna and our federal representatives were very instrumental in helping get that uh, hurdle crossed. Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of things that our representatives should be there to do To if there's bureaucratic red tape or there's resources that can be brought to bear. Uh, the federal representative should be there to help push those things along mm -hmm. at the federal level. I'm someone who always rolls my sleeves up and gets involved, and I would do the same thing at the federal level because we need to bring a company to that site. Um, I have uh, one more question for you. It's for me. Uh, this is one I was thinking about. So I'm going to assume that I assume you're going to win because I'm oh, going to vote for you. Uh, <laughs> if you are to win, and what do you foresee will be the biggest challenge uh, moving from the local platform to it's almost immediately a national platform? Do you foresee like any sort of transition that will take place? I'm sure there's a transition. You know, obviously you're you're dealing with uh, 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 national issues. I've always have been someone who, who wants to work on those local constituent issues. You know, sure. I can go to Washington or, or Albany and pass 100 bills, um, but the most important thing is working for your constituents when they reach out to you, whether it's for flooding issues, whether it's for dealing with veterans' issues, whether it's senior citizens, no matter what the issue is, if I'm not there being an effective representative and listening to constituents mm -hmm. and responding to their concerns, I'm not going to last very long as a member of Congress. Uh, you know, Richard Hanna always prided himself on having very good constituent services. That's something that we need in this area uh, and something that I'm going to work very hard to do. We've done it at the local level. Uh, it's a bigger district in Congress, but uh, we're going to work on that's That's going to be number one priority working on, on, the, on the constituent level uh, at the federal level, too. As a, as a guy who works in the education field, uh, you are very popular with educators. You've been a friend to local education for a long time now. People were very happy that you were coming on the show. Yep. Uh, I read an article earlier this week that made me a little upset. This is from Salon.com. It was based off of a Pew Center um, report uh, that colleges for the first time have now a negative reputation by most of the country. 58% uh, of Republicans believe that uh, colleges are bad for the country, while, 30, uh, while only 28% of Democrats feel that way. A lot of people are calling this the, the height of a sort of anti-intellectual movement. What are your thoughts about this feeling that colleges are just indoctrination centers for young liberals? That, Is that like... <laughs> it, I have not seen that article or those yeah. statistics, but that's pretty scary. It's, you know, again, this is a Salon.com article. Right. I don't know what their sourcing was, but I, I do see this sort of underlying feeling that people are like, these colleges just going to turn you into a liberal. And that scares me a little bit, too. Like, education was always something that, growing up in a family of educators... You believe this idea that if you went through and and worked your hardest and went to college and got that degree, there'd be something good for you there. Absolutely. And it scares me that people see that now as just another, I, I don't know. Do you it's, have any thoughts about no, this? No, I, I see. I, I, I definitely agree with you. I think, you know, it's it's there's been demonizing of many institutions in this country, yeah. whether it's our higher education institutions, mm -hmm. uh, the media, uh, political figures. Um, look, College is very important. Oh, yeah. Public education is very important. Mm -hmm. It's a pathway to a, uh, the middle class. Mm -hmm. I, it was no coincidence that I had a public school teacher uh, introduce me when I decided to launch my campaign for Congress because that's how strongly I feel about education in general and public education in particular mm -hmm. because, to me, that is the pathway to a good-paying job, to a family to really becoming a contributing member of society. And if we are not providing education, whether at the, at the local level in, in the early childhood years or uh, in the graduate, uh, in the college and graduate school years, then we have a real problem in this country moving forward. You know, we need more intellects, not less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it scares me the idea that, like, 
it almost seems like that cartoon you see where it's like, oh, you're working hard, nerd. Stop yeah. being so smart. Like that's right. that's sort of sadly become this sort of strong men mentality that sort of flourished in the last. Uh, let's call it six months. I don't right. Know, I Listen, know. my son. My son's ten <laughs> yeah. years old right now. He's playing baseball. He's very serious into baseball. It's mm. minor league. You know how serious they get sometimes. You know the Marinos too. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I tell him all the time. I said, mm. have fun, uh, play your hardest, mm-hmm. be a good teammate. But the most important thing is getting your education. That sure. is what's going to drive you to the next level. Mm. Um, I don't, you know. I don't tell him this, but I don't know if he's making the major league anytime soon. The, the, the pathway to a good-paying life and a good career is getting a, getting your education. Uh, before I let you go, I have just two, three real things. Again, I want to thank you so much for spending Absolutely. time. I do have to let you go. You're, you're running sort of... I'm, I don't want to make you run late. No, don't worry. Uh, before, uh, before I go, one last thing. I asked you this last time. We won't do the lightning round questions, but this one changes a lot. Give me one book, one album, one movie, or one television show you're currently watching, reading, or listening to. Okay. So a book I just actually started was a book about Bosnian immigration. Really? Uh, it was written by a woman who, a Bosnian woman who moved to Rochester and mm. talked about some of the experiences the Bosnian community mm. uh, uh, went through in Rochester. Really? Yesterday was actually the anniversary of uh, the genocide in Bosnia. There was mm. I went to two events at the local mosque that commemorate the mm. anniversary uh, of the genocide and it's really tremendous to read the story I'm only through the first chapter mm. but it's tremendous to hear their story and just you know it's the story that my Italian immigrant grandparents went through and so many others went through but they overcame great challenges in their home country uh, under, undergoing genocide and then moving to a f- foreign land where they were unfamiliar and really making uh, great lives for themselves here and there's mm. still there's been struggles along the way but the Bosnian people in this in this city and across the country, I mean, have really done a great job. Uh, Assemblyman, I really want to thank you uh, All right. for giving me some time today. It's a real pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. Best of luck. Oh, I do have one. I'm sorry. I have one, one last mailbag yeah, question yeah, yeah. that came in here that I wanted to discuss with you. This is from some Twitter delinquent named Joe Utica 4. Oh, God. And he wants to know, how does it feel to get your trophy for two-timers club so late in the game? Hashtag Batman and Robin. And then he... Added someone named Jordan Carp. Is these, are these people? You know these people. I know these, these two guys. I know these characters. They're characters. They're uh, they're internet trolls. They troll me on Twitter all the time. Uh, I will remind them that I am Batman. <laughs> uh, Assemblyman, it is an honor to have you back in the studio. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Uh, best of luck going forward, and you uh, you have our support certainly. Thank you. Uh, just a reminder, Claudia, if you ever want to come on and talk, you're certainly welcome to. I don't think she wants to really pass it before. <laughs> uh, folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Rain's coming in steady after we finish up the interview. You'll hear it in the background now. I bet. I bet you will. Uh, thank you once again, Assemblyman Anthony Brendisi. Hopefully, Congressman Brendisi. Joining the Two Timers Club. Yes. I had to go out to purchase more trophies that day because we ran out of them. Uh, I purchased all the ones they had in the store. Uh, These people must think you're weird. This guy who comes in once every couple months to buy a bunch of small trophies. Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, 
Uh, yeah, so I, again, I think that I had a great conversation with him, but I really think we could have touched on a lot more. I was impressed with how ready he was to go and to get right into talking politics and talking into... I feel like, to be fair, you don't run unless you're ready yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, now, I mean, he probably deals with people who are a little bit more heavy hitters. Yeah, Get sure. him on politics. So at this, like, he's just well-rehearsed and probably loose and relaxed. Like, yeah. you got it. Once you announce you're running, everybody who talks to you is going to be asking, so you better be ready to talk <laughs> if you announce. Uh, I don't feel bad saying this. I was, did speak to his chief of staff briefly, or his, uh, his <laughs> our good friend Caitlin, who's here before, and I asked her, I was like, how many more phone calls have you been getting per day since she announced... Uh, since he announced this, and she's just like, Sam, stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> stop asking me questions. Uh, love you, Kate. You're the best. Um, so, yeah, you guys ready for history lesson? Yeah, always. All right, yeah. cool. Uh, I think, <laughs> Kevin, you can't hear it, but Kevin is putting a lanyard around himself. And he's hanging himself. <laughs> All right. Right now. Lies. Uh, so I only have three of them today. Does that make you feel better? We won't do four. How's three? You can do as many as you want. Mm. On this day in 1940, uh, FDR defeated Wendell Wilk for his third term, uh, as United States president. Uh, this was controversial at the time, obviously, because it was an unwritten rule, uh, that no president ran for more than two terms. He said, however, that he felt it was his dirty uh, his, I'm sorry, his, his sure. duty <laughs> to continue to serve this country during this time of mounting crisis of war in Europe. Um, he would get elected for one more term in 1947 uh, before passing away in the middle of the fourth, or, or in the fourth term. Well, big FDR guy. Yeah. One of the most interesting presidents in history to me, I think. Um, it's crazy that he was the president for so long and presided over such a pivotal point in the country's history and mm-hmm. really stands out as different than probably anybody else who's ever held the office. So go read about FDR, because he's an interesting guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't until 1947 with the 22nd Amendment uh, that we stopped, uh, that we put the term limits on presidents. Um, You know, we talked about Mayor Palmieri earlier. There's there's been, like, sort of up and down talk locally that Palmieri was going to run for a third term in mayor. What are your thoughts about him running for a third term? He's pretty popular. I like Palmieri. I don't know if I like not having term limits on it, right? And there it is. Yeah, right? Like, I feel like that's... I feel like that's gotta I'm be I'm not it. gonna be mad if he's mayor for another term. I'm not gonna be like, well, this is garbage. Get him out. Yeah. Certainly. I know Mayor Paul Mary is a nice guy. I like a lot yeah, of the things sure. that he's done. There's certainly things I wish he would do a little bit differently, but any human being is gonna have differences. So, like, if he's still the mayor, we're not, like, in trouble or anything weird like that. Right. But it's just... You, you change that precedent now for somebody you like. You never know what that becomes yeah. when you're on that other side. So, like, we've got hmm. to follow the rule. I know, kinda. especially, it would, or if you get somebody else who's in office that we don't like or that's not doing a good job. And that, then they right, can get yeah. reelected. There has to be ground rules. There has to be. Yeah, you break the rule now for your side. You'd hate to see it used back yeah. against yeah. you. It's just not. And it will, know. though. And it will. Yeah, for sure. No matter what. The No matter what your justification is for, it's always going to come off looking odd. Right? Even if your justification is like, I just want to keep doing good things, it's like, mm, yeah, but why now? Right? Like, why all of a sudden? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah either way. Uh, all right, let's move one year closer. 1941. On this, J- on this day, uh, the legendary streak of Yankees center fielder Joe DiMaggio, 56 straight hits in Major League Baseball, was broken on this day. 56 games in a row, he got a hit. This is an interesting record. I feel like this is one of those... Every every time there's a baseball record, home run record, Iron Man, that game is played, they always say it's never going to be broken. I feel like this is the one that's the toughest 
right? No, absolutely not. No, I don't think so. No, the Iron Man, Cal Ripken's Iron Man record is much more unassailable than the fifty. Now it is, you think? I'm kind of surprised this one hasn't been broken. So what is it to get a hit in 56 straight games? You're really, you're mashing, you're an all-time great player. Being able to play that many straight games without a day off in today's day and age where they rest yeah. everybody for every little thing, mm. no chance. Hmm. Heather, what do you think? I don't know much. Thoughts? I'm not, I'm not in sports. <laughs> I have thoughts, but sports are not my thoughts. Apparently, uh, Joe DiMaggio claims that he confided into another player that uh, he had a deal with Heinz Ketchup that if he had gotten 57 straight games, they would have given him a $10,000 bonus uh, because he had an ad deal with Heinz for Heinz ketchup, and there are 57 varieties. So there you go. He missed out on 10,000. He got one more hit. Uh, and on this day in 1955, Disneyland opened in Anaheim, California. Uh, today, Disneyland brings in about 14 million people a year and does about $3 billion in revenue yearly. Disney World bringing more people than land? I would say I'd have to look at the stats. I think that's true. I, I looked this up not too long ago. We were going to do a, a piece on ranking amusement parks, and I think we bailed out on it at the last minute. But I did look it up, and I think Disney World does pull in more money. I, I feel like I remember you reading first, off though, a right? list. Disney yeah, I think no, Disney World is second. That's Orlando. That oh, wasn't until... I thought that was first, and California was second. No, no, no. Anaheim, California, 1955, was the first Disneyland that opened. Uh, I'm saying which one does more business nowadays. Disney World in Orlando does more business. That makes sense. Yeah. I could see, because it's so much bigger, so that would make sense, Mm -hmm. but I could see Disneyland sneaking in there still because it's so much closer to, like, China and Japan Mm -hmm. and most of Asia and everything. Like, those people are much more likely to visit the West Coast. So I could see it sneaky being busier, but it's not as big as, I mean... it's more, like, vacation family. They've got a a metropolis in Orlando. They've got their whole own city. Yeah, that Orlando system they have set up where you fly right into that Orlando airport and you're already pretty much on Disney. You're right on that Mickey Mouse bus. (laughs) You're on, like, Disney property from the minute you get in the airport to you leave the place. It's insane. It's Do you want to know a weird Disney fact? Always. Uh, Technically, the, the Disney Corporation has the sixth largest active navy in the world. <laughs> because of all of their cruise ships and boats, technically, when you start looking at you know rank of the navy, United States is first. Um, somebody else hilarious is second. Disney has got the sixth largest navy technically in the entire world. I did not know that. Um, something out. about like amount of boats with crew members <laughs> yeah. on boats and Jesus. stuff. Yeah. So this is a weird uh, segue. I got in a conversation with a YouTuber on Twitter a couple days ago because I'm very fascinated by theme parks and music parks. I look up a lot of this stuff on YouTube and on the internet. And there's this guy, uh, I'm going to put him over, he runs like a YouTube channel called Yesterworld Entertainment and they do all these things about like abandoned rides and like defunct Disneyland rides. And he did this video about a ride at Disneyland called Alien Encounter, the Extra Terror Yo, I used to love Alien Encounter. That was one of my favorite. I went when I was in ninth grade, and Alien Encounter was horrifying and awesome. Yeah, it's a horror. It was the scariest ride that's ever been at Disneyland. It was not meant for children, and it wasn't like accurately. I remember the parents being shook. Yeah, my mom was scared. It was a really horrifying ride, right? And uh, there's a good go to YouTube watch his video. It's definitely it's worth it. He got at me on. He was asking for people to tweet at him if anyone had been on the ride. Does it not exist anymore? No, they got rid of it because it was too intense. <laughs> I'll tell you, after we do the show, I'll tell us, oh, sure. we'll give you a run through, we'll look yeah. at it. It was, uh, it's something else. I would, I think there's room in the realm for things like that. You certainly make sure yeah. like little kids and scared people aren't yeah. getting on it, but like yeah. some real that's what his sort video, of horror ride is cool. Well, that's what his video talked about is that at that time, it was, uh, Michael Eisner had just come into Disney and they were trying to get into a more teenage adult market because they felt like they already had this kid yeah 
market cornered, but they mm-hmm. thought there was money in a more like you know how Universal Studios is kind of like all over yeah. the place with what it yeah. appeals to, uh, to do something along those lines, right? Uh, Should make an extra park just for like almost like the sixteen and up park goer or something. And I mean, you can't really put a hard age, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like have a specific park that's more geared I, towards that kind of thing. I always wanted to go to Disney World with just adults. It'd be fun if you went with just adults, right? If you go to Epcot and do the whole thing, because the biggest problem I was known as going to Disney is dragging your kids around. Oh my god! Right? Like I wouldn't the, want to bring my kid there. I'd want to just go with me because I've I never went, been there. So. I went once with I went once with uh, two other adults. Uh, we were like young adults, so we weren't really like fully into the swing of being able to like run our own shit out there. Mm. But it was a pretty good time. I, let's we should go on a trip. Let's go back. We'll do the Uticast from Disney. <laughs> we'll just make that the trip. Bring Uticast takes though. Disney. We'll bring some friends, some I'm, affiliates. I, they wouldn't let us film anything. You know how Disney is about that. They destroy all our footage and we're, ban us from YouTube. We're audio anyway, so it works out. Good. That's fair. <laughs> uh, hey guys, you, uh, I'm like an iTunes guy, so I see this a lot. But how many times when you get terms and condition updates do you actually read them? Be honest with yourselves. I've never read one. Never read one mm-hmm. ever. Right? I could be giving away my life or my car, and I would. Wouldn't know. I remember I got terms and conditions on something in like 98 or 99 when we first got a home computer and like I thought everything was super serious. Like I thought when they say you have to be 18 to enter that was a real thing back in that time. And I remember trying to read the terms and conditions something like oh geez well, it says I got to read them before I check this box I better read them. I got about like a quarter of the way through and like, it was a voracious read. I'm like this is not this is not a real thing and ever since that day I've never read a term or a condition. How about uh, you? I never do. I plow right through them because I'm lazy. I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. That's a dated meme. Uh, uh, Nobody got time for that. Uh, However, saying it again doesn't undate it. Maybe people, uh, maybe people should start paying attention. Like the uh, twenty-two thousand people in Manchester this week who found themselves legally bound to one thousand hours of community service, included but not limited to cleaning toilets at festivals, scraping chewing gum off the streets, and quote manually relieving sewer blockages. Uh, this was a joke clause that was inserted into a terms and conditions for a Manchester-based Wi-Fi company as a way to do like a social experiment to see how many people would actually read the terms and conditions. Well, uh, what com- who, who did it? A, a it was a Wi-Fi company okay. in England. Uh, apparently, uh, they're obviously not going to. They can't obviously hold anybody to this, and it's all an experiment. Yeah. There was a prize though for anybody who actually read through it and didn't do it. You know how many people got the prize? Zero. One. One, One person. <laughs> Uh, this is a funny story. I think, though, and here's where I'm going to stand on my soapbox here. I think the bigger problem is that these terms and conditioning things are purposely made to be long and unreadable. Yeah, of course they are. Right? Legalese. Legalese, yeah, it's right? It exists. It's like... Well, on the internet, everything's so quick, and you're just... You these look... people aren't your friend. Let's <laughs> <laughs> like, get dark over here. <laughs> I'm really, though. Like, Mark Zuckerberg's not your friend. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. I, um... Yeah, but I do. I never read the terms and conditions. Mm. Um, well, because you can't. They, per- like you said, they purposely. It's too dense. You can't read all through that. Mm. Even if you could, who wants to? We uh, There was a fidget spinner that showed up. I'm going to move on to our next story, by the way. There's no transitions. We're moving right into fidget spinners. Just double uh, transitions? Double transitions. Uh, there's a fidget spinner that makes a cameo appearance in the Franklin Square film series uh, video that we filmed last week. Uh, I think, but for the most part, I think... I feel like fidget spinners have already started to die out. It was like a cultural meme, but it's already kind of over. It did just make its way to Russia, and the Russians have responded to it in an interesting way. Would you guys like to know how the Russians are responding to fidget spinners? They're colluding with them. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
The Russian state currently fears uh, that they could serve nefarious purposes, mainly uh, turning the youth's nation to vandalism and acts of oppression against Vladimir Putin. Uh, mm-hmm. These palm-sized devices, quote-unquote, make a person impressionable for manipulation. <laughs> Sure. So they took it to a whole nother level. Sure. <laughs> sure. Where did you find this? Oh, this was a newly <laughs> dystopian nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I think the. I just think this is a way cooler response to it than the way like Americans responded, which is just every teacher in America has some like passive aggressive meme that they leave in the teachers' room about how terrible fidget spinners are. It's like ah, ah, things teachers hate, and then it's a list of things that teachers hate, like bottle flipping and fidget spinners. Um, what was the fidget spinner of our time? What do you guys remember from being in school that was like a fidget spinner? It was like the new hot item that everybody had to have, like little trinkety type thing. Tamagotchi. That was just going to say yeah. that. Tamagotchi yeah. for sure. Yeah. Pogs was around oh, a little Pog, bit. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like... Pogs was different because Pogs was like sets and a, a game and an activity. You exchanged them. Yeah, I didn't... Like, definitely the Tamagotchi was that. I and never. Mini skateboard. Remember that? Oh, Tech Tax. Yes. Yes. No, Tech Tax. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, see, I liked. Tech Tax. There was a certain era for guys like me where I wasn't a skateboarder, but I was into skateboarding. So you would Wait, get Tech Tax. You played with. Actually, oh yeah, I had the tech decks. I could do stuff with them. <laughs> and you would read like the CCS catalogs or CSS catalogs. The little CCS, skate- they sell like skate shoes and like skate gear. And yeah, they like used that, to go yeah. around the middle school lunch table and we would all look at all the skateboards and we'd be like, oh, the deck is so cool, bro. Even though none of us knew how to skateboard, it was the best. <laughs> you all right? had your little mini ones. See, that's such a proctor answer. Nobody actually skateboarded. <laughs> no, nobody knew how to skateboard. I used to hang out with a lot of kids that were skateboarders, but I didn't skate. I used to like to make videos of skateboarders. I had Smart. My, my dad gave me a video camera for Christmas one year. I used to film my friends skating and like edit it together when like editing technology first became a thing you could like mm. download for free. Never messed with the tech deck though. I feel like mm. I remember when I was a little kid, everybody had a period of time where they had to have like a lanyard, like this lanyard right here, like for your keychain, one of these long things. But they had to be from Brine, the lacrosse company. Oh, it was a very big deal for like six months. <laughs> Brine, yes. Uh, I was actually into lacrosse at the time, so if you were into lacrosse, Brian was okay, but if you were a real baller, you were into STX or Warrior brand, because that was, like, real lacrosse stuff. Ooh. Shout out to my lax bras. Jeez. <laughs> um, so are better off with a fidget spinner. Uh, Kevin, this is a story that I need to discuss, because I am a contacts and glasses guy, but you are going to hate this story so oh, much. I don't think I'm going to hate the story, because nobody's trying to touch my own eyeballs. This is the one I... Re- oh, yeah. Uh, so, while going... Going into cataract surgery last week, a woman in the UK, uh, her surgeon found <clears throat> 27 missing contact lenses in her eyeball. No. Oh my God. Right before they did the surgery, they, uh... uh... Apparently none of them have ever seen this before. Um, mm-hmm. All the 17... There were 17 contacts that it had stuck together, uh, and then they found an additional 10 just floating around afterwards. That's horrifying. <laughs> The question at the end was, did she actually have, like, the cataract, or was it... No, they postponed the surgery, yeah. uh, but she apparently... I blame the woman. How do you lose 27? And she was, I know. <laughs> Look, I... I, mean, I don't wear contacts. Explain to me how and this I can happens. See, and she didn't okay. even feel them in her eyes. She had no discomfort or anything. How do you... You put them in, and you never took them out. How do you not remember that? Maybe she... Thought... I mean, discomfort, like it slipped away. Like, oh, I must not have put one in this eye. <laughs> I guess... Man. Okay. Man. I've fallen asleep with contacts oh. in before. And when you wake up in the morning, it feels like like demons are 
dancing with fire underneath your eyeballs. It's very obvious that you've left your contacts in overnight because they're just dry and your eyes feel like they want to scream. Uh, so it's not like something that you would just be like, oh, I left my contacts in, boop, take them out. It sucks. Now, I have had a contact lens sort of, like, drift to the side before, and that's a weird feeling. I understand Never. the idea, I understand the idea, basically is what I'm saying, of letting one contact lens get stuck back there, because it can happen. Uh, Forever? No, you have to. I've, I've had to help my no, husband get, get one out, out of his out, eye. What do you mean? What goes... do you mean you leave it back there? <laughs> I'm saying, if one gets back there, I understand that you might want to go get it looked at and taken out, Wait, right? Person... Yeah, okay, but, good, yeah. But I don't understand, like, you'd notice one in there, you'd feel it. How do you not feel this giant blue 17 mass of contact solution as it, like, crams up against the side of your eyeball? Like, that's... Go! Yeah! And she had, ah. and how did like, people did her you eyes said, not... Was that a man? You said it was a woman? Not a it man? was a woman, yeah. I was going to say, I was going to be done with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, two more things you guys want to talk about with you today. Last oh. week, last week we did... We guys went, well, we can move on from eyeballs. No. I can't talk about eyeballs anymore. Uh, last week we talked about overrated, underrated with emojis. And Kev, you had a line that says they should just make some more emojis. I need more. Do you know what today is? Uh, International Emoji Day. Yes, that's right. It is International Emoji Day. Uh, and Apple has blessed us. Blessed. Apparently you can use that emoji still. That's still there. Uh, with a variety of new emojis, including a bearded persona. It's been, you know, come on, guys. Kind of looks like you, Kevin. Every bearded guy looks kind of like the same, all of us. Well, <laughs> it's true. I can stop people thinking I'm all sorts of people. I, people stop me thinking I'm somebody who's like five foot five with a beard. They're like, oh, aren't you that guy? I'm like, I, I'm not that guy. We both have a beard, but. Uh, other hits include breastfeeding woman, sandwich, I could eat that one. zombie, and T-Rex. So there's a couple other ones. Also, a very graphic one of an emoji's head exploding with a with like a new mind blow. Mind blow. Like yeah, that. it's That's very elaborate. Uh, zebra. Uh, it looks like some sort of elf or orc for all you Game of Thrones people. No. And then yeah. meditation. No, that these one... are all a scam. Nobody wants any of this stuff. Apparently, there's still no redhead emoji, though. The ginger friends out there, our redheaded friends out there, are still getting the slight. Um, if you're, like, personally identifying with emojis, literally find a therapist. <laughs> but what I would like to see is I, I need more expressive emojis. I need a different, more hmm. nuanced range of emotion that the little yellow circles can express for me. Are you talking like about... Which one emo did, what emotion are you really looking for that you want to... Complex <laughs> combinations of nuanced emotion. Did you guys know that I was talking about this? this is, you guys are doing the best segue for what we're talking about of anything that we've ever done before. This is amazing. Well, you're goddamn it's capital P <laughs> professional <laughs> journalism. Uh, I found... We're going to close up today with something that I found. Two fundamentals. I found this on Reddit. Uh, Champions. Uh, <laughs> these are a list... Of emotions that you may have felt but have never been able to explain before. Oh, are they words from other languages? I like this kind of list where it's like yeah, an yeah. emotion that they've got a word for it in another language, no word exists for it in English. Yeah, yeah. So I got yes. a couple of these. I got a couple of these. Oh. So I'm gonna read you guys some of these emotions, and if you guys feel like you can relate to them, let me know, and I'll let you know what this is called. Okay? Are you guys ready? Ready. Have you ever had the feeling, um, the realization that each passerby has a life as vivid and All complex as your own? All the time. Yeah. I yeah, that's just when you see somebody like, yeah, that person's life, much like there's so many Every angles, single person so. you see has as much narrative as you have going on in your own head. Like, every single yeah. one of us has the same narrative movie playing when about us. When I used us. to go by people's houses, I'd look in their window and try to figure out what that is. It's just... <laughs> no, that's not really bad. Time. That's not the same <laughs> like thing I, drove by well, I used to look in windows. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wazlowski. <laughs> 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 
This you don't cut this. <laughs> this this emo- like nope. This emotion is called sonder. Just in the you're, window. You're, what have I had been? <laughs> you are experiencing the notion of sonder. Um, S O N D E R. S O N D E R. I like it. Um, here's one for you. Have any of you guys ever experienced the ambiguous intensity of looking someone in the eye, which can feel simultaneously invasive and vulnerable? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. That's called opia. That's what that emotion is that called. That seems like a good word for that one. Hmm. How about this one? The strange wistfulness of used bookstores. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was just in one. <laughs> uh, that's called velicor. Mm-hmm. Velicor. A big Velicor guy. <laughs> All right, here's another one for you. The eerie, forlorn atmosphere of a place that is usually bustling with people, but is now yeah. abandoned and quiet. Ooh, I love those yes, places. yes. Yes, uh, I know that one. Yeah, you know that one? That's called Canopsia. That's the emotion you're feeling. I remember the first time that ever like bowled me over in my life. I was like 11 years old, and I was in Sangerton Mall after dark when it was all closed, and there was nobody in there, and all the lights were off. Hmm. Except for like the main center lights, and it was wild. I'm like, what is this feeling? This is so weird. Yeah, how do you... Now you know. Here's one that I feel very close Learning to. so much. Hashtag. Here's one. A hypoth- uh, hypothetical conversation <laughs> that you compulsively play out in your head. A hypothetical... I, that goes on like all day in I my life. I feel like life. I do that a lot. That's, <laughs> isn't that just basic anxiety disorder? Yeah. That's, kinda, that's called Joska. Joska, Joska. is Joska. the name of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see how much time... We, we've gone pretty... You guys want to... We can take a break. Yeah, There's yeah. a whole bunch more on these. Uh, let me get one more in here for you guys. Okay. Mm. All right, here's a good one to end with. A sadness that you'll never be able to know how history will turn out. I I think oh, I spend I think so much lot. time thinking about that. What is that? I spend a lot of time thinking about that. That's called ellipsism. Oh, ellipsism. Yeah. The sadness that you'll never be able to know how history will turn out. You guys like this list? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, we'll finish it. I got more of them. We'll go back on this next week. Uh, but for now, I think that's uh, that's it. Good job this yeah. week, guys. Thanks again to Assemblyman Brindisi. Uh, follow Heather on Twitter at HeatherWaz1. Yep. Heather, good job today. Thanks. I like your sunglasses. Thanks, Saranac. Thanks. <laughs> oh, thanks. for free. <laughs> uh, Kevin at... Oh, I forgot to get you a hat. Yeah, there you I go. I was going to get you a hat this oh, week. I didn't get one. And I for wow, I like how you forgot too, but all of a sudden you go in, yeah, yeah you dickhead, of course you did. Matter of fact. Follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doom. Follow the show at Uticast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, SoundCloud, MixCloud. SoundCloud uh, forever. Yeah, SoundCloud yeah. forever, apparently. Right. It's still there. Hey, and hey, if you want to check out our, our uh, most current episode at any time, you can listen to it on the Maiden Utica Handshake app. That's right. Is that out? Is oh, that, I've been are we post- talking about Oh, that? we're talking about the app. I thought we were just going to tease. No, no, soft open. No, yeah, I, I asked Parkinson if we're allowed to talk about it. I've been using the app. You can listen to this week's episode directly from the app. How's that work for you? I can't imagine being in a position in my life where I feel like I need to consult Justin Parkinson for permission <laughs> on anything. No. I feel real fun. weird. I feel, what's the word for that emotion? <laughs> uh, Parkinsonism. <laughs> Parkinsonism. Uh, guys, thank you. We will be back uh, next week. Uh, Franklin Square Film Series, uh, 8 p.m. Saturday, July 22nd, Independence Day. Uh, we will not go quietly into this night. We're going to pod on. We're going to survive. Uh, next week, we celebrate episode 109, Woodstock Lives. Woodstock Lives.